Welcome to another thrilling end-of-year episode with the Open Apple Podcast. It is late 2013 as we record this. It has been an entire year of goodness for the Apple II community, and we have brought together onto this one roundtable the best and brightest of the Apple II community to look back at everything that's happened and everything that's going to happen in the Apple II community. So thank you so much for joining us. My name is Ken Gagney, and joining me as always is my co-host, Mr. Mike McGinnis. Hi, Mike. Hello, Ken. Hello, everyone. How are you today, Mike? I'm doing well. How are you? Excellent. Thank you. So as is tradition, Mike, you will be subjected to my interrogations today. Are you all right with that? No. Sure, that's fine. You did sign the waiver. Oh, man, I hate it when I do that. I'm sorry. Better luck next year. Darn it. And joining us will be our frequent silent partner on the Open Apple Podcast, as always, Mr. Andy Malloy. Hello, Andy. Hello, everyone. Good to be here. Good to have you here. How are you today? I'm doing good. It's a rainy day here. Good day to be indoors and recording. You still recovering from the holidays? Oh, yeah, that'll go on through New Year's. <laughs> and then there are more holidays to recover from. Right. right. And joining us all the way back from our August 2011 episode of Open Apple is Mr. David Schmenk. Hello, David. Hello. And remind us where you're calling in from. Uh, sunny Lake Tahoe. Sunny Lake Tahoe. So you of all of us are having fine weather. Yeah, except we don't have any snow. Oh, well, you can have some of mine if you like. It's all wet and black. No, thanks. <laughs> well, I guess that's why you don't live in Boston. Oh, well. The last guest we have on the show today reaches even further back into the history of Open Apple. He is, in fact, our first guest ever beyond the trio that actually run this production, Mr. Ivan Drucker. Hi, Ivan. Hi, Ken. Thank you for having me on the show again. It's been far too long. We're happy to welcome you back. How's life in New York City? It is rainy today, I would say. And uh, other from that, it's wonderful. Now, is it truly the Big Apple in the sense that it is an Apple city? It is very much an Apple city, both in the uh, retro computing sense, in that I can think of at least three Apple II users, and in the modern sense, in the sense that everywhere you look, there's a Mac or an iPhone. And it's the Big Apple. There's that. So Google can just stay the heck out. They are most assuredly trying not to stay the heck out. All right, so let us backtrack a little bit and explain why we are all on the show today. Ivan, what are your credentials my credentials in the uh public world or the apple II world uh ken apple II, sir uh i was uh i started with apple twos in 1978 when my dad brought home an apple II. all right maybe not so far back what have you done for us lately sir oh what have i done for you lately i have been developing a2 cloud and a2 server which are two ways of integrating the Raspberry Pi with Apple IIs to give them internet access and storage and floppy disk transfer. Excellent. So I'm sure you know our other guest, Mr. David Schmenk, whose credentials are quite similar these days. It would seem that I do. There is uh, a lot of synergy between what uh, David and I are working on. So David, what are you up to? Basically following in Ivan's footsteps. So I've been working with, again, the Raspberry Pi and integrating it as a... um as a coprocessor, if you will, to the Apple II, so that we can still use our Apple IIs, but uh, in a more modern environment. 
Excellent. So we have quite the pie contingent today. I'd say the uh, pie two, the, the the pie and apple two contingent is uh, very well represented uh, <laughs> in this call. Excellent. And in fact, I think I'm the only person without a pie. Is that right, Andy and Mike? Do you two both have one? I certainly do. Yep. As do I. Well, Ken, we'll, we'll have to send you one. Oh, I would love that. Why, thank you. Bribes can be sent to P.O. Box. Anyway. <laughs> There's been a lot happening in the Apple II world these days. We have broken it down to several categories, including news, hardware, software, conventions, and books. Let's start with news. And there have been so many items these days happening in the Apple II community. Let me uh, rattle off a few of them. Off the top of my head, we got Mr. David Schmank right here on the show, who plugged a quick cam into his Apple IIe. Richard Garriott went on Kickstarter with uh, a Shroud of the Avatar successor to Ultima, where he sold $10,000 copies of Akalabeth. The Computer History Museum released the source code to DOS 3.1. Jason Scott and the Internet Archive transitioned to JSMess, the online emulator, into the Internet Archive and connected with tons of old software games and programs. Uh, Jim Sammons announced the Softalk Apple project. Sheppy announced the S Prize. Uh, LucasArts shut down. Jordan Mechner posted the source code to Prince of Persia. The Steve Jobs film came out, and John Romero released the T- Apple Time Warp podcast with Craig Johnson and many other goodness. So, what I would like to know, starting with my co-host Mike, what would you say has been some of the biggest news items this year? Well, aside from having a great Kansas Fest, as uh, as has been the trend for me in in the past, I really liked hearing John Romero's podcast. That was a a big kind of a, a nice surprise because I don't follow him closely enough to have known that this was coming until it was out. And hearing him tell tales of his days as an Apple II game developer and the people that he knows, such as uh, Nazir Gabelli and people like that, was really exciting. Uh, I have been having a lot of fun with David Schmeich's, uh Apple II Pie card from the um, hardware uh, hardware end of things. Uh, and Rich Dreher also did another run of CFFA 3000 cards, and I, I thought that was neat to see that uh, a card that's a very sp- for a very specific hobby like ours, and it's kind of a small community, continues to, to sell as well as it does. Yeah, we'll certainly be getting more into the Apple II Pie and the CFFA and the hardware segment of the show. The uh, Apple Time Warp was, I think, a surprise not just for you, but for almost all of us. I, too, don't really follow John Romero closely except on Facebook. But I didn't hear any announcement that the show was coming or anything, and it's been quiet since its release back in October. However, in a tweet, Craig Johnson did confirm to me that there will be more episodes in 2014. Mike, do you really think that there's enough history to the Apple II game scene to warrant a dedicated podcast just to that? I don't know if it'll be an ongoing thing, you know, over the course of many years necessarily, but certainly a limited run of, well, I don't know John, so I don't know how many stories he has, but I, I imagine, I mean, he's he's obviously an accomplished um, speaker and storyteller. Uh, so I think he probably has enough material to at least make a handful uh, interesting enough to keep coming back for. Yeah, I think his keynote speech at Kansas Fest 2012 was one of the best keynotes we've ever had. And we've had some excellent ones out there. Mm-hmm. And that's partly due to his connections to the Apple II programmers that have developed so many games over the years and his ability to connect with them and get them to contribute to whatever he's working on. I hope that he continues working those relationships. I agree. Andy, what would you say has some, been some of the big news this year? Anything catch your attention? Well, Sheppy's S-Prize really caught my attention. Um, I love that he 
just went wild with this project, put up a website, started taking pledges from anybody rather than, I believe what he originally set out to do was to create it um, with just him seeding it with money. I just checked it and it's only $20 away from $2,000. So I'm hoping one of our listeners can pop over there and put a little bit more money in the pot. Basically, I think you've gone over it on the show, but it's to create an SMB, a file system for the Apple II GS, which would let, which would allow much easier uh, connection to Windows file systems. Um, Macs can use it too and enable a lot of things to open up. So that was an exciting piece of news for me this year. Yeah, there are many different ways to connect the Apple II to a modern computer, but as these computers advance and the Apple II pretty much stays where it is, some of those old networking protocols are being sunsetted, and we need to develop newer, more modern connections, and I think SMB will do that for us. Yeah, it should poise it, poise the Apple II GS well for the future if, if we could get this going. Andy, do you know if there has been any announcement of individuals who are competing in this competition? I have not heard that, and the last um, update on the S-Prize website was from September. And it was just announcing, I believe, that it got to another funding level. So, um, no, I haven't heard anything in a while. But I, I bet you if, maybe he'd put one in if we broke 2000 <laughs> Maybe there's somebody out there just waiting for the prize to get that high before coming forward. They're holding SMB ransom. Now, Ivan, speaking of the many ways to connect the Apple II to modern computers, you participated in the file transfer series that JuiceGS ran over the course of five issues. Indeed, I did. What's your opinion of the S Prize? Oh, I mean, it'd be phenomenal. I mean, having if 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 that were to get created, it, it would really allow the Apple II to keep participating with modern networks, modern computers, modern protocols. For better or worse, SMB has become sort of a de facto, you know, uh, networking standard, and uh, it would be great if the Apple II could have it. So, you know, kudos to Sheppy for uh, initiating that. Is this something that you're participating in? I would love to have the chops to be able to, but it's, uh, I'm not a GS guy and it's, it's kind of a GS thing. And so I'm, I'm leaving it to the other geniuses who, uh, know how to, uh, wrangle 16 bit code to do it. Is it really that valuable a project if only 16 bit users will benefit from it? Sure. Absolutely. There's a lot of 16-bit users in the community. <laughs> and so, and furthermore, I mean, even though I primarily think of myself as an 8-bit guy, I mean, I have a GS and it's still, you know, on on my network, you know, I created A2 server in part to be able specifically to uh, accomplish some of the kinds of things that, you know, having SMB would accomplish. The difference would be is that with A2 server, you do need it to run on something. You know, the Raspberry Pi is a pretty small something, but uh, the nice thing about SMB would be like, okay, you want to just file share from your Mac or your Windows PC and and share directly to your 2GS, you'd have it. Now, my experience at Kansas Fest has been that most people who attend that probably do think of themselves as 8-bit users. Do you think there are more of them out there than there are 16-bit? I've always sort of had a sense that it was like half and half. I mean, it definitely seems like, you know, you've got your serious GS guys, and then it seems like you've got your 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 8-bit guys, and of, of which I'm one. But I don't know. I, I sense that it's a little more balanced, at least uh, uh, from what I've observed. Interesting that more 16-bit users don't also consider themselves 8-bit users, since ostensibly the 2GS encapsulates the 2E. Well, I think, you know, one, um, it, it, it does, and yet... 
I guess its essential user experience is one that's you know much closer to the the uh, the Macintosh. Um, it uh, because I remember because like there's a couple of funny ways that you see that like in uh, the Sweet Sixteen emulator, there's no um, keyboard shortcut for reset or command control reset. One of them, something that I use all the time, and Sheppy's like, oh yeah, I never do that. Uh, UN said something uh, uh, similar. He's also a GS guy. So I, even though yes, the the GS is a superset uh, superset of the two E, uh, it seems as though its users, uh, from what I can observe, really don't have a, a very Protoss eight based experience. They're they're living in the GUI, and so their whole their whole experience of the computer is somewhat different. Ivan, we were talking about S-Prize primarily because Andy brought it up as his top pick for the year. What's yours? My top pick for the year? That's a tough one. I, um, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I would, uh, echo that Kansas Fest 2013 was, was a great success. And in fact, I, I might even suggest, suggest that even without its surprise guest, the, uh, quantity of people who, who attended it, that, that, you know, this is a, a growing event, you know, all these years later is in and of itself, I think, one of the most, uh, noteworthy things to me that, you know, the, the CSA two boards are so busy, you know, and, and that, you know, there's, uh, you know, the new retro connector products and there's a demand for a third run of CFFA as, uh, as was mentioned earlier. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and, uh, you know, and, and David's, um, Apple II Pi card, which we'll be talking about later, I guess. I mean, it, it just suggests such a, you know, vibrancy that I don't know that there's any one thing other than that. It, it seems as though things are growing rather than shrinking, which is exciting. I would definitely say that is the case, and it's something that I wrote about in JuiceGS just recently, how even its subscription base is growing, along with the Facebook group, the Kansas Fest attendance. It's a community that's getting bigger, which in a way defies logic. To what do you, to, to what do you attribute this growth? Can we just attribute it to magic? I mean, I think we all sort of feel that there's a certain magic in the Apple II, and I don't know. I mean, I remember the first year I attended Kansas Fest in 2009, and I was just sort of overwhelmed by, wow, there's really no reason for anybody to be here other than that they have some irrational love for this machine, you know, and and I think that... uh uh, it, maybe it just has its own allure and its own appeal. And even, you know, uh, members of the community who sort of dropped out for a while, like, uh, Anthony and Henry have sort of announced their return to it. So, I, I don't know. It's something about the Apple II. That's true. One of the news items we didn't put on the agenda, or maybe we didn't, we just, I forgot to mention it, was the pending return of both Reactive Micro and Ultimate Apple II, the latter of which is something that, uh, our friend here, David, will be talking more about when we get to the hardware segment. But in the meantime, David, what, are some of the top news items on your reflection of 2013? Well, I'll um, kind of uh, reflect uh, Ivan's sentiment that uh, it really is the culmination of everything. It really feels like an Apple II renaissance uh, is occurring. And uh, they say with the, with the growing KFest participation, the growing subscription to Juice GS, you know, it feels like everybody um maybe have been a little fed up with the antiseptic computers that we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis and are looking for something a little more uh, uh interesting and they're kind of returning to the roots or something well, what do you mean by antiseptic how does the apple II compare it with a modern machine well you know everybody has their ipads and you know everything is kind of canned 
Uh, you know, you got your Windows 8.1. Uh, I'll leave that lay there. Um, <laughs> and even the Mac OS as, uh, you know, OS X has kind of, uh, left me kind of feeling blah. I really don't like the machine as much as, as, uh, as I used to. And I find myself using my Apple too, just to kind of, uh, reconnect. And I think, uh, maybe there's a lot of other people that are in the same position where they're, they, they want to feel reconnected to uh, a computer at a different level. So I guess we see, you know, all these great little projects and software and and uh, organizations, you know, that are, are, are getting a uh, kind of resurgence. May I actually uh, add something? And I wouldn't be saying this, uh, or I, I would be saying this even if David weren't on the show, but it occurred to me as David was speaking. I actually think one of the most for me, important things this year actually has sort of quietly been, uh, David's work on GS port, both David's, you know, da- David Schmidt took kegs, made GS port from it, and David Schmenk has been extending GS port to really, uh, have a great deal of accuracy and functionality that the original 2GS did, and I was using it the other day, and I thought, man, after nobody's Apple IIs are running anymore, this code could still potentially run and, and, uh, and, and faithfully, you know, reproduce a 2GS. So that, that might not have gotten a lot of, you know, ink, but I, I, th- I think it's significant. Yeah, I agree with what Ivan said. Also, um, there's a bit of news that, uh, Along those lines, that probably will be more for 2014. But Peter Neubauer has done some great work there too. That uh, he's uh, wrapping up that really uh, includes a bunch of these little news items. Uh, kind of kind of combines the S Prize with the uh, JS mess. I mean, it's just a, a cool piece of technology he's put into GS Port that I guess we'll probably have to talk about maybe uh, the roundtable for 2014. Well, you know, we didn't have on the outline a segment for emulation, although that has been historically a part of this roundtable. So why don't we add that in right now? We have the GS port work that David just mentioned. We have version 3.0 of Suite 16, which was a significant update. We have JS Mess, which became part of the Internet Archive this year. Uh, David, tell us a little bit more about the work that Peter is doing. Um, well, I don't want to, you know, kind of uh, uproot, you know, Peter's work, but um, he... He's working to get the Apple Talk uh, working inside of GS Port so that you can basically uh, use Ivan's A2 server uh, as a, uh, as a, well, Apple Talk server right under GS Port. So the idea would be to have one machine running GS Port and the A2 server and being able to share those files all locally. Uh, between between your your Linux or Windows and your emulated GS environment, as well as your real Apple II's in your home, all on a single network. Exactly. I mean, I really think it's the uh, it's the piece that ties all of it together. Excellent. That's I had no idea Peter was doing that. You're you're right. He definitely needs a new press agent. Yeah. Well, I know he's kind of keeping it under wraps right now, but uh, it's just so exciting that it really is the thing that uh, I think is the the. the the kingpin to all of it. It makes it all come together. Nice. Ivan, what would you say are some of your highlights of the current emulation scene, or where do you expect to see the emulation go? Hmm. I've given it absolutely no thought. Um, <laughs> what I, I, I would like to see, and I realize that there's a lot of obstacles to this, especially on the Apple side of the fence, but I, I'd like to see 
uh, more mobile emulation. I I uh, know that there is a version of Kegs for uh, uh, Android phones, and I know there's the Candy Apple emulator as well. Uh, you know, I haven't spent a lot of time with those. They they didn't knock me down when I saw them, but I would um, I'd, I'd like to be able to to do Apple II stuff, you know, on tablets and phones, you know. So that's 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 what I'd like to see happen. But I think you already, you know, between GS Port and Sweet Sixteen, you know, those are those those were big big things that happened this year in emulation. Do you think that the actual emulation of the Apple II has sort of reached a pinnacle, and now we're looking more at the platforms and environments in which we are emulating, like mobile or web browsers, or is there are there still better ways to emulate the Apple II? It's an excellent question. I mean, I think the uh, emulators. Ha- I think you're right. The emulators have become very refined over many years, and 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 I do think that you know between. I mean, I'm I'm on the Mac side of the fence, but uh, so I haven't looked at like uh, uh, Win Apple in a while or Apple Win. I mean. Um, but, you know, between, uh, Virtual 2 and Sweet 16 and GS Port and, you know, Apple Win, I mean, those are all really fine emulators. And so, while sure, there are things that could be improved within them, I, I do feel like those things are more fine tuning at this point. I do like the idea of a project like JS Mess where you don't actually you know, need um, uh, native code to run it, that you can just actually run it in a browser, because I, I do think that that is, uh, you know, that'll that'll make the Apple II available to many more people than is ever possible. And there and there are other Apple or JavaScript-based uh, 8-bit Apple emulators out there. So, you know, that that's an area where I see uh, web, web-based web emulation as being sort of the next frontier, I think. And if I may jump in on that, you know, along the lines of what Ivan was saying in the environment is, I think this year we also see a little bit of a of a blurring of, of the concept of what emulation is. You know, um, with the retro connectors being able to use your Apple II keyboard and your Apple II joystick uh, inside of an emulated environment, it starts to blur the concept of what a what an emulator truly is when you get to use some of your hardware peripherals. Uh, right in the emulator. Same with the Apple II Pi. The idea is that it, you know, the emulator part it, it still sits inside some actual Apple II hardware. So where does the the line go from a, uh, an emulator to uh, an actual uh, upgrade, if you will? Yeah, it's sort of like when you restore a vintage car and you have to replace every single part. What's left? Exactly. <laughs> Andy, what's your take on the current and future of emulation? Well, I thought an important point about all the ones that Ivan mentioned is that each of those emulators has had updates in 2013. So we've got, you know, all projects are seem to be going strong. It's great to not have anything dead in the water. So I think that was positive as they keep refining them and adding tweaks and little fixes. Uh, all the developers are on board and alive with those projects. That's a very important point. A lot of these programs, they sort of just... F- flounder until they're homeless and then somebody has to adopt them and re-fork them or branch them and bring them up to speed, whereas these programs that we're talking about, they're alive and well. Mike, what about you? How are you in emulation doing? I don't do that much emulation. Okay, why is that? I live in an environment where I can where I have actual apples and I just prefer the um I prefer the tactile feel of interfacing with, with a real Apple too. Mm-hmm. Um and, and I know that Logically, that may not make a lot of sense, especially 
if somebody's developing and they're compiling, it's going to be quite a bit faster to do it on your MacBook Pro emulating an Apple IIe as opposed to the real thing. But for me, there's just there's something about having the real machine in front of me and working on that that can't be replaced with emulation now as uh, as has been mentioned emulation is that line is becoming more and more blurred as you're able to now plug in your Apple II joystick into a PC or, or your Macintosh and, uh, and vice versa. Um, so I'm interested to see what the future holds. No, I absolutely agree. I can pull up using JSMess Load Runner or Choplifter in my web browser and show it to somebody and they might say, oh, that's neat. But then they walk into my office at work where I have an actual Apple II on my desk and their eyes just get big and they say, oh my gosh, I remember that from when I was a kid. And I turn it on. They say, yeah, that's the sound it used to make. I remember that. You know, I mean, I can give them the software experience in a browser, but it's not, it's nowhere near the same as actually being on the metal. Definitely true. Absolutely. And, and honestly, most of the reason I use emulators is just because I'm incredibly lazy, and therefore I am most happy when I'm in a prone position with my uh, MacBook Air 11-inch, um, but it's much more satisfying actually typing on the Apple II keyboard, hearing, you know, what that sounds like, feeling what it sounds like, you know, uh, uh, seeing the CRT monitor and what the actual, you know, um, characters look like on it. It's, it's a different thing. Absolutely. So we've been talking or we've been skirting around the issue of hardware quite a bit because we have our own section dedicated just to that because every single year we look back and we say, how is it that a machine that came out 35 years ago still has new hardware being developed for it? And yet it does, sometimes even more so than new software. We have the rise of the Raspberry Pi and all the many interfaces that David and Ivan have created, including the Apple II Pi, which is going to be sold shortly from Ultimate Apple II, which along with Reactive Micro is making a comeback. In their absence, Charles Mangan with Option 8 has made a great job of releasing new hardware, like the retro connectors that interface keyboards and computers, joysticks, computers, and the Y cable for the Apple II e-card for the Mac, which has been so hard to find. Rich Dreyer did a third run of the CFFA 3000 and another run of CFFA 1s that work with the Replica 1, including the Replica 110, which Vince Breel just came out with this year on the 10th anniversary of his original Apple One clone. And there's also been various items like the SD Disk 2 emulator that came out. So let's start with Andy. What do you think is the state of the hardware for the Apple II? Why is there so much coming out? And what's your favorite if you have one? Well, I've enjoyed seeing the projects. Um, I've especially enjoyed the, the ones coming out of Japan. The Disk 2 emulator, I think that's one of the, the only emulators that can use SD cards as opposed to like CFFA or Tony's work with um, uh, Compact Flash and also disk drives. Um, so I, I've also enjoyed, though, seeing the hardware out of Japan um, to interact with VGA. I believe um, there was one at Kansas Fest this year, and it was, I believe... $50 or something quite inexpensive. And Tony, again, had, had showed that connecting the Apple II to a modern LCD monitor. So those ones uh, piqued my interest. David, what about you? I assume you have a little bit of favoritism toward the Raspberry Pi devices. <laughs> I do. Um, but there's a, a couple other projects that are out there. You know, the Arduino has taken a lot of the, the maker uh, market by storm. And, I, and you see those showing up in some of these uh, Apple II products. And I think having a small microcontroller that has a nice a development environment that will plug into a, uh, an Apple II has created a, a large or a larger, relatively speaking, market for uh, things like retro connectors and some of these uh, SD disk emulators that 
perhaps we might not see without that Arduino infrastructure in place. So I think that's given a, a real boost to some of the things we're seeing right now. Yeah, it's really interesting the availability and accessibility of these new, smaller, modern computers like Arduino and Raspberry Pi has, in a way, been what's necessary to take the Apple II to the next stage where, you know, a single expansion card can only do so much, but the Raspberry Pi is so powerful in and of itself that the Apple II can now tap into that or even vice versa. And I don't think it's just so much the hardware either. It's some of the, uh, uh, some of the, the hacker ethos that surrounds it where they are able to, you know, share the software and make it available for others. That kind of, uh, you know, makes it fit, I think, well in the Apple II community. It's kind of the same, you know, Waz's original, you know, ideas for the Apple II just kind of re-envisioned, you know, 35 years later. Yeah, no, I, I see that. Uh, as well, um, I, I do think that the, uh, the whole, uh, rise of Arduino, not just technically, but, you know, culturally, you know, to create this sort of common platform for hackers is, and, and, is, uh, you know, dovetails, you know, very nicely, um, with the Apple II. And it's telling that, you know, if you read the official, uh, Raspberry Pi User's Guide, which is a publication that the Raspberry Pi Foundation publishes. There's one of its four sections is on how to get started hardware hacking. You know, I mean, that's just very appealing, I think. Excellent. Well, Ivan, since you have the mic, let's talk to you about hardware. Okay. What do you want to know? <laughs> I want to know what are some of your favorite hardware devices that have come out for the past year or why, how can you explain their proliferation? Well, I, I, you know, I, I feel like I would be echoing, you know, that I, I do think that sort of, you know, uh, uh, Arduino has been a big deal. Raspberry Pi has been a big deal. These things do create, uh, the platform. I, I mean, I also think that, I also think that with, um, you know, the Apple II, it has such a spirit of openness that, it just seems like, I mean, I don't know because I'm not a hardware developer, so I don't like really get it fully. Like, I just don't know. I can't explain what a chip does, but clearly other people do. And therefore, you know, it's just as I'm thinking, hey, I could, you know, write this code that does this thing. Somebody else is thinking, hey, I can make this card that creates this new thing. So, I mean, in some ways, I think, it, it is just, you know, uh, uh, a blank slate waiting for people and, and, uh, and I, and, and evidently an inviting one. So I don't know that it's any, it's any one thing. In, ter in terms of favorite products, um, uh, you know, many, uh, I like a lot of the ones that have been said this year, but I actually do wish that I could just nominate the CFFA 3000 every year. Like every single time I use that card, I'm just like, this is the greatest peripheral that anybody has ever made. I know that's, that's not 2013, but it's just like, I, I, I really think that card is a masterwork. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna say it. As well you should, sir. Don't hold back. For me, 2013 was the year when I finally installed my CFFA 3000. So I finally have some experience with which to agree with your assessment. So nice when we can see things the same way. I know, it's such a nice change from the usual vitriol. <laughs> Mike, what about you with hardware? You being someone who prefers the original metal, you must be quite the hardware guy and have an opinion on some of these pieces. Well, I'll just continue the theme of the show so far and say that I'm really uh, looking forward to, well, I, I'm enjoying, I guess, the potential of the Raspberry Pi um, project, the, the Apple II Pi project, if you want to call it that. One of the peripherals that I had growing up for my Apple II Plus was the Lego kit with the, the controller card, and uh, you could build little robots and make them do things with your Apple II, and 
This Christmas, I got the Lego Mindstorms EV3 kit, which you can apparently program with uh, a Raspberry Pi. You can build your robots and, and control them and program them with the Raspberry Pi. So I'm uh, I'm really kind of chapping at the bit to to try out the Apple II to Raspberry Pi to Mindstorms interface and see what I can make happen there. Um, I, again, every time Rich does a run of the CFFA cards going all the way back to, geez, 10 or 12 years ago now. Wow, it's a long time. Um, I always buy one or two of them. I've got, I've got an ever growing stack and I don't know why I feel the need to, but I'm always glad that I do. There's, I love getting new software. I love seeing new software products released, but there's something neat about getting a box in the mail and opening it up and, and having this shiny new product in my hand that I can physically hold and, and play with and stick in my Apple IIe. Again, that's sort of along the same lines as, as why I prefer using a real IIe to emulation. There's a very visceral um, and immediate response um, emotionally almost for me when I, when I have these, uh, when I have the hardware there to play with. I wholeheartedly agree. Again, when I'm at my office and somebody's looking at my Apple II and I pull out my CFFA 3000, and I show it to them what it can do, and they say, wait, when did that come out? Because USB came out after the Apple II. I'm like, yeah, this card just came out last year. They're like, how is that even possible, and why? <laughs> Who's doing this? Well, the one thing that I, I feel that, that that I wish Rich had been able to incorporate in the 3000 is the um, the Bluetooth file transfer ability. Uh, there was a product a couple of years ago that, oh, yeah. that, never, that never really went very far, very far called the iDisk, that had that, and man, it's, I've got that running in one of my two E's, and it is, it is neat to just be able to transfer files wirelessly from my PC uh, right over to the Apple IIe like that. And I've been lobbying Rich, and, and he keeps promising that if there's another uh, revision of the CFFA, that, that that will be one of the main features that he puts in there. So fingers crossed. I just might mention that actually that would be really awesome, and I hope he does. But um, I don't know I hadn't thought of it before, but I'm about to uh, push out a new uh, release of uh, A2Cloud with A2 Server to sort of try to um, get exactly that experience, not quite as viscerally because it's not stored on your Apple II, but it's like, oh, you've got a Mac on your network, you drop a disk image into it, and boom, your Apple II is able to access it. Uh, you know, instantly. That's, you know, I think that's kind of a, a, a holy grail that we'd sort of like to have. So, yeah, let's, uh, um, cut. it would be nice to. Ivan, and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to New York and camp out on your doorstep, sort of like waiting in line for the new iPhone. You're right. Until you have that ready for us. It should be ready tonight, actually. Oh, even better. Uh huh. Wasn't Bluetooth something that Alex Lukowski was looking at when he attended KFest 2012? Andy, I think you might know more about that. Yes, he sure was. He actually had it hooked up to one of his uh, turtle robots, I believe, and was um, doing some remote control with it. I don't know. I think he was working on it with Wayne Arthurton and maybe James Littlejohn doing an all-night session on that. Yeah, Vince Brill also sat in on that, and and he did get they did get Bluetooth working on the on the, those those robots. It was very cool. So is that does that mean we're only a step away from getting Bluetooth working with other Apple II devices or expansion cards or peripherals? I would imagine. Excellent. Well, maybe we should put them together with Rich Dreyer and see what happens. Unfortunately, Rich was not at that K-Fest, and K-Fest is where the magic happens and where the brains meet. Oh, well. Well, I'd like to give a shout-out to Vince Briel. I'm doing a 10th anniversary of his Replica 1, doing a new revision, and I believe there's a review of that in this issue of Juice GS that's pretty extensive. Yeah, Paul Hagstrom got his hands on one of the first 50 
Replica 110s that was created. And reading that article made me think, wow, I really want one of these because it has a USB interface, which my Replica 1 TE or third edition from 2008 does not have. And again, it's all about the connectivity, whether it's USB, compact flash, uh, SMB, or Bluetooth. Just getting the Apple II to talk to other machines and peripherals, the more easily, the better, because it, that's the world we live in nowadays, and we sort of want the Apple II to live up to those modern standards. Even though I already have another replica one that I haven't really used all that much, I kind of want another one. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I can appreciate where you come from, Mike, ordering one of every CFFA. Well, two, but yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Just in case. Just in case. Right. All right. We could talk all day about hardware. That might be another podcast. But today, let's move on to software. There's been plenty of it this year. Brutal Deluxe has been pumping them out like mad, not in only the Zephyr floppy disk game that actually came out as a physical product, but also utilities like Mr. Sprite, Benchmarked, and some LZ4 compression. Ewan Wanup, telecommunications genius, has been focusing on some offline utilities like ByteBagger and ChewBagger and RAM Runtime, as well as updating some of his existing programs like Snap. Hugh Hood came out with Apple II Works Envoy for the Mac. Nathan Griffith came out with a GIF converter. Let's not forget Martin Hay and Seth Sternberger and the rest of them who are all working on Lawless Legends. And by the rest of them, I am also including Brennan Robert, who was on the show recently. Uh, we talked about emulation, so that has its own category. Bill Buckles came out with a bunch of programming utilities. There was the Shellshock tank battle game. And Mr. Brian Peachy released his first assembly game, that being Lamb Chops with an exclamation point. And I somehow missed the fact until I saw it on Google+. Plus that there was a physical version of this game that he released on five and a quarter inch floppy disk in a baggie on eBay. And I don't know why I didn't get one because I'm his biggest fan and he should have given me one just because, but he didn't. What a jerk. Honestly, he's never coming on this show again. Fine with me. <laughs> so let's start with Mike. What do you think about the software scene for the Apple II? Uh, well, like I said, I'm, I'm always a big fan of seeing new products, uh, software products come out because it's fun to... Discover new and interesting ways that I can use my old equipment. Uh, I mean, let's face it, nowadays, it's hard to, it's hard, you're hard pressed to come up with anything completely brand new and innovative. And I, I think Sheppy had said something about that at a recent Kansas Fest where what we're seeing now, for the most part, is, is iterations and, and improvements on existing ideas and product lines, and so it's always great to see something where, yeah, okay, the GS port stuff existed before, but in, in combination with with what Ivan's doing with the A2 server and A2 cloud and, and the Apple II Pi card, it's, it's taken in a whole different direction. So that's always fun for me to see, and it's important because, to me, that indicates that there's still life and interest in the community, and it's not just a bunch of people trading disk images of old disks. Um <laughs> And the other thing, the other product that really kind of got my attention was Brian Peachy's uh, game, actually. I, I'm not really a, much of a gamer these days, but the fact that, that he did it to learn uh, Apple II assembly language is inspiring to me because that's something that I've kind of been trying to motivate myself to do for quite some time now. And seeing somebody else be successful at that is is good motivation for me, especially with the um, the 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 retro challenge winter warm up about to start. So I've entered myself into that um, based largely on my inspiration that I got from, from Brian's game. So what you're saying is that if Brian can do it, anybody can do it. Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding, Brian. I think it's awesome. Thanks. 
And it is helpful to have a specific project in mind that you're going to use this new skill to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you just, just go into it going, gee, I want to learn assembly language and I don't really have anything in mind, I think it's a lot harder to stick to it than if you have set goals and, and maybe an end, an end final complete product that you're working towards. So can you give us a hint as to what your end game for the retro winter warm-up is going to be? Yeah, I kind of want to do a, a multimedia, like a, either a sound or a video thing with the Apple III. Neat. We look forward to it. Me too. Ivan, what about you with software? What about me with software? I really need to give you very specific prompts. I apologize. <laughs> well, what are some of your favorite software releases from the calendar year 2013? I honestly have been so consumed with A2 Cloud and A2 Server. It's been a little bit narcissistic of me, I suppose, that I've sadly not really looked very closely at a lot of what's out there. So I feel like I'd like to be able to... I was prob- I was excited about Land Chops, just I didn't actually play it yet. It's been on my list of things to do. And I didn't actually even know that it was in a physical version or I would have loved to have bought that. That would have been fun. Um, I, I think that I... Um, uh, there's a lot of things that I have been meaning to look at that I just haven't looked at yet because I've been just like, as soon as I finish this thing that I'm working on, then I'm going to look at everything else. And then somehow the thing that I'm working on is never quite finished. So I, I'm, I'm not going to weigh on on things I haven't tried. But I was excited to see that Lampshoff came into existence just by virtue of, hey, a new Apple II game. Like when I was a kid, it was like, what else did you really want other than a new game? And so, you know, the fact that, you know, that that just existed made me happy. Would you say that the Apple II scene is growing faster nowadays in hardware or software? Feels to me like hardware. Um, it just seems like like I'm amazed at the number of hardware products that people are are coming out with for it. But at the same time, as as you mentioned earlier, like, you know, Ewan's pumping stuff out and Brutal Deluxe are pumping stuff out and and uh and you know and Lamb Chops, so I don't know. So clearly there's things happening on the software front too. It's my perception that there's a bit more on the hardware side. It seems like it's been that way for a couple of years, even before the accessibility to crowdfunding and 3D printing. I wonder what those latest revolutions we'll see brought to the Apple II. I find it, I find it like for me, it's surprising because hardware is just like impossible to me. Like it's just like pure magic. Like I, I don't actually like, like David, I know you, you, described uh, uh, the Apple II Pie card to me as being, you know, somewhat simple, but, like, to me, it's just like, I, I have no idea how you made that. Like, you might as well have, you know, made a, a time machine. So, you know, I I think that uh, it's, it's especially amazing to me because it's like, I, I can write software, but I have no idea how to, how I would make anything new hardware-wise. So I feel... It's nice for me because it really still has that, like, magic component to me. Like, I, I don't know how they did this. It's just magic. But here it is. It does something. So, David, what are some of your software picks from 2013? Well, again, it's why I like the Apple II retro scene because we have a couple uh, releases here from Brian Peachy and Bill Buckles, which is very old school going, you know, using tools of the day. And actually, Bill cracks me up because he's always complaining about how he has to go fishing, yet he's been more prolific this year than ever. Hmm. So they had the old school kind of approach. But then uh, you've got uh, you know Seth and, and Martin and Brendan coming out with Lawless Legends, which is sort of a a modern take, if you will, on software development for the Apple II. You know, it's 
It's all online. It's all using modern tools, uh, modern you know development concepts, and so, but all for the same hardware platform. So I think that's uh, just the you know, and Lawless Legends has not released anything this year, but I think it's the the idea that the way they're going about creating a software product uh, for a 35-year-old computer using absolutely modern tools and processes, that, which I find uh, uh, probably my top pick for, for this year. Even though the game is not out yet, I'm really fascinated just by the whole process, by the whole proposal. When Seth emailed me earlier this year and asked if I knew any programmers who'd be willing to engage in a project of his, I put him in touch with a couple of people and Apparently, some relationships developed from that, and it's just really fascinating to see somebody tackling a game of this scale. I mean, there have been a lot of neat software releases over the past few years, and especially games, as we mentioned, like Zephyr and Lamb Chops, but something as encompassing and consuming as Lawless Legends, I don't think we've seen the likes of since Jeff Fink released Silver and Castle, and that originally came out about 15 years ago. I mean, can anybody else think of an RPG or some other sort of game that is just is going to take that long to play and to develop. Not for the Apple II. Right. Now, and, and it's coming out for the Commodore 64, too, which, you know, I, I tried not to hold against it, but <laughs> it, it's cool that they're doing this cross-platform development simultaneously rather than porting it after the fact. The the whole... It'd be good to, like, get a good behind-the-scenes on that because, like... uh because for that exact reason, because the development is so interesting. And, you know, when I heard about Lawless Legends, like I emailed Martin, I'm like, Martin, you have to do this. This is, this is awesome. And, uh, and, um, you know, and when I was at Kansas Fest and he was showing me his, uh, the stuff he was doing in terms of, you know, getting the, 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 the scrolling on the high res screen to, you know, be fast and smooth and, uh, on, on a one megahertz Apple II it was like, man, this is, this is very impressive stuff. Ivan, didn't you just love Martin's delivery at Kansas Fest where he's giving us such an entirely different topic and he starts off by saying, oh yeah, I got this other thing going on. He briefly shows Lawless Legends and he's like, yeah, anyway, there's that. Let's get on to the real topic. Okay, no, that's that's so Martin. Or we're like, no, 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 Martin, <laughs> Lawless Legends is the real topic. Back this pony up. Yes, very much so. I remember the first, I think it was uh, Martin's first Kansas Fest where he entered uh, Hackfest and it was a he had when he when he brought the entry out, it was uh, a, a nicely colored gift or a nicely covered colored image on an Apple II screen. But what he didn't bother to explain to anyone was that it wasn't just an image that he drew. It was it was one oh, that yeah. he had <laughs> taken a an actual GIF image and converted it on the Apple II to something that would display it, on the Apple II screen. It was his Hackfest entry. Yes, it was under in Kansas Fest two thousand nine. That's think it. That was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly right. Yeah, like he wrote the Paint program to turn that. Excite bike image, right? That's the one. Yeah, we told him. We're like, D did you did you tell Sheppy what what that actually is? I mean, it's not just a picture. So he's like, no, no, I didn't do that. I might have been one of the judges that year, and I I seem to recall we convened behind closed doors and said, wow, we're really underwhelmed by the new guy. I and mean, he <laughs> he drew a picture and called that a hackfest entry. And then somebody else told us, we're like. You do know that's a paint program, right? Or, or something? And we're like, wait, what? So we, we had to l open our closed door, go out and talk to Martin. And we're like, give us a few more details that you held back before. <laughs> like, oh, okay, let's go behind closed doors. And then we came up with an di entirely different ranking based on this new information. 
I, 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 I'm also always amazed when he gives his presentations using his uh, weakness point presentation system in which he starts an Apple II and, like, from memory types, you know, Waz style types bytes in at the monitor prompt and boom, then he's got an editor that he can start typing live for, for his presentation purposes. And, and I think he's got that, that editor down to nine bytes, you know. <laughs> The unwritten thing is that every year weakness point is upgraded, so we're actually seeing a, right. a new product every year where he's shaving bytes. Wait, weakness point is actually a product? It's not just him typing in at the monitor or something? Well, he figured out the bytes to type it in. I don't think he's released it as a product, but I mean, he invented it. Wow. I, I had no, again, this is not something he explained to me. Wow. No. <laughs> you know, we need a new segment to this annual roundtable where we just talk about the things Martin did this year that he hasn't told us about. I'm in. You know, what, what's your favorite underreported Martinism this year? She whiz. Well, I got a good one. He actually, for the Raycaster for Lawless Legends, he actually prototyped it in JavaScript before translating it into 6502 assembly. I thought that was pretty clever. So you could play with it in a web browser. Again, see, I had no idea. So, Andy, what do you think about the software scene in 2013? Well, I've appreciated all the individuals who've, who've still been in the game. Um, I enjoy seeing that Ewan's still coming out with new products. I mean, his Bagger series is, I believe, new in 2013. Um, Chew Bagger and Bite Bagger, which are more for... Uh, disk editor and disk viewing. But I, I also enjoyed that Jason Scott back in September, he announced that, that the JS Mess project, um, he had also put a lot of Apple II software into that project over in the Internet Archive. So um, I, I'm glad that Apple II was represented there and can participate. But not Apple III. Ooh, an obvious hole. Indeed. Indeed. Boo! Boo! <laughs> I, I, he has to have an announcement for 2014. By the way, I like the uh, PDFs that Ewan produces as manuals for his software. For example, the covers of Bite Bagger and Chew Bagger have a picture of Brian Weiser biting a bag at Kansas Fest, a photo that you took, Mike. And then just the entire PDF is just so neatly laid out with screenshots and page numbers, and it's like 25 pages. It's a really nice reference, and a lot of people... You know, overlook the need for clear documentation. So, uh, kudos to Ewan for really giving us the complete package. Here, here. Now, before we close out the software section, I want to go back to something, Mike, you said. You said that you're not much of a gamer these days. Do I recall that you are the co-host of No Quarter? I am, yes. <laughs> I don't actually play the games. I just sort of look up the wiki page and, and then lie about my score. Don't tell Carrington I said that. So even when Carrington beats you, you're still lying about your score? Well, that's why, that's why I, well, I, you know, I can't make it like I beat him every week, then it's too obvious. And so I let him give me his score first, and then I decide how much I'm going to beat him by or lose by. I see. So I guess if you won every Shit. week, it would be too obvious. It's a secret. Oh. You need to use screenshot proofs here. Well, good thing Carrington yeah. doesn't listen to the show or anything. <laughs> no, well, of course not. No, and screenshots can be doctored, Andy. You, you, you got Photoshop. Come on. That's true. All right, so that's the end of our software segment. Before that, we had hardware and general news. So let's move on to the conventions that happened in 2013. We have all this connectivity to connect our Apple IIs to modern computers. That same hardware and software can also connect Apple II users from around the world, allowing us to 
create this online community, whether it's on CSA2, Facebook, or the various message boards that are out there. However, we there is still nothing like meeting on the metal, so to speak, and that is in person. We had VCF Southeast 1.0 occur earlier this year in Georgia that David Grealish spearheaded thanks to his Kickstarter crowdfunding, and there was a pop-up museum there with an actual Apple One, which got tons of coverage. Uh, we also had Kansas Fest 2013, of course, with a very special keynote from Mr. Randy Wigginton and an appearance by both Steve Wozniak and an Apple One, concurrently with Oz K-Fest, which was happening down in Australia, thanks to Andrew Rowan and his team of cohorts. I apologize for not listing off the names of everybody who contributed to all these events. I know I only mentioned maybe like one name each, but there were several people who put together all these events, and we're grateful for the environments and stages that they provide for us to meet in person. Now, four of the five of us were at Kansas Fest. I don't think any of us were at the other events. However, they are still great events for the people who are able to access them, and there are other VCFs throughout the country, including the one in Texas that didn't happen, which Open Apple said did, for which we continue to extend our apologies. So, conventions. We have them. We're attending them. It looks like they're continuing to happen. David, I haven't seen you at any lately. Yeah, well, K-Fest is kind of a, a difficult time of year to drive 2,000 miles to get out there. Uh, but uh, I promise, 2014. That would be great to have you back, sir, especially with your newfound pie fame. I think you're going to have some questions to answer for. <laughs> Unfortunately, probably true. <laughs> Are there no other conventions closer to you? You can't be that far away from all sorts of events that happen in California. Well, no, it used to be that we'd have uh, you know, the uh, Vintage Computer Festival out in Mountain View, and uh, I'd go there, but uh, that kind of got shut down a number of years ago. So I'm really not sure what... Uh, what uh, vintage computer goings-ons we have really out west anymore. Hmm. Yeah, that's a shame. I mean, there are various one-offs at the Computer History Museum in Mountain View. I think that may have been, or it was near at least, where those five Apple Ones were all powered on at the same time earlier this year. But right. those are those are kind of hard to plan for. Right. You always hear about them at the last moment. Right. You know, same thing with the computer... Uh, same thing with the Homebrew Computer Club reunion that just happened last month. You know, attendance at that was very limited to those who had advanced tickets. Oh, well, I, I do hope to see you in 2014. That's a great prediction. Uh, what about, <laughs> what about you, Andy? Well, I'm definitely going to be attending Kansas Fest 2014. I'm also going to go to Vintage Computer Festival East, which is version 9.1 due to the hurricane that wiped it out last year. Um, but that's going to be in, I believe, April, and there's already about uh, a day full of workshops. There's at least 12 exhibits already on the roster, and, and Apple IIs are represented there. So for folks who are in New Jersey or the East Coast, um, that would be a neat place to have a little mini K-Fest gathering of folks who are part of our community. I'm in. Excellent. Yeah, that's April 4th to the 6th in Wall Township, New Jersey. Be there or be square. I just love that location too. That that old uh, uh, army radio base with, with the, and the museum in there. That's also fantastic. If you haven't actually spent time strolling around that, like they have like source code from like the 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 Apollo mission computers and things like in bound volumes. It's like super interesting. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I was there for vcf east back in 2011 andy you were there as well i think ivan you were there the next day so our paths yes. didn't cross unfortunately but yeah it is a pretty cool event people who have a broad interest in all 
manner of retro computer platforms and the history thereof, I definitely recommend attending. Just not only for the event, but as Ivan said, for the environment as well. Uh, speaking of, you know, anybody who is geographically able to attend that to have a little mini reunion, I'm going to be in Chicago the weekend before Kansas Fest. So that is July 19th and the 20th. And there are a lot of JuiceGS subscribers in that area, and I'm sure that there are even more Apple II users in that area who don't subscribe to JuiceGS who should. But maybe we can get a little Chicago group going for that weekend. Maybe just go out for dinner or something. If you're listening to this show, uh, drop me a note. What self-respecting Apple II user wouldn't subscribe to JuiceGS? There are some. I'm not going to name names, but, <laughs> you know. Actually, I guess I don't owe any confidentiality to people who don't subscribe. People who do subscribe, <laughs> I do. Shame-based subscription model. It's so great. It's, it's so, it, when I discovered that JuiceGS existed, I got so excited. Like, I can't believe this exists. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so I, I just feel like, as an Apple II user, like, the existence of JuiceGS and Kansas Fest, like, just, or, or like, wow, this is, this is the greatest thing ever. <laughs> I, I was faced with a unique dilemma today where I actually had to buy some Juice GS, which I I don't usually do. Like, I want to give some back issues to a friend, and I want to pay for them. So I went to the Juice GS online store, I went to buy it, and then it, like, it blocked me out. I said, you can't pay yourself. That sounds like an existential crisis. It is. It is. And eventually, you know, I just got so deep that time slowed down. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh, well. Mike, what about you with conventions? You've been at Kansas Fest for many years now. It's always a pleasure to have you there. Yeah, it's always great fun, and, and I don't think that uh, I don't think it really benefits anyone to say, "Well, this Kansas Fest was better than that Kansas Fest," because each one is great for for its own unique features. This one definitely uh, was special to me because I was able to contribute in a special in, in an unexpected way um, to to making it happen, but. As much fun as that was, I had more fun hanging out with people that I hadn't met before, uh, Kevin Savitz and, and Mike Whalen, who had never touched an Apple II before this convention. Uh, so that's always something – I always come away from Kansas Fest with really great memories, and I'm looking forward to going to 2014. I do wish there were – I think Kansas Fest is actually the closest convention to me geographically. And that's a good nine-hour drive away, so I don't know. Maybe it's time to start a VCF Rocky Mountain or something. I'm sorry I won't be able to join you on the drive to Kansas City next year, as I have for the past two or three. Well, uh, your company, of course, will be missed. I think I'm going to be driving out uh, with Tammy Hansen again, like uh, you and I did last summer, and she and I drove back from Kansas City, and uh, it was a uh, pleasant road trip, and I'm looking forward to seeing her again. Yeah, and Kansas Fest 2013 was awesome with your contribution of bringing Waz there, which we was a small part in us acknowledging you with the Apple II Forever Award, which is, a, you know, you can't get a clearer signal of us saying, we like what you're doing, we want you to keep doing it. Uh, that was a really special moment for me, and, and um, it meant a lot, and I tend to get emotional when I try to talk about it, but that uh, that was that was really neat. And again, all the first-timers, there are, I think, probably about a dozen first-timers, including Mike Whalen, who I didn't realize until I, after I'd been talking to him for like a full day, like, oh, you're the guy from Twitter who I talk to all the time. <laughs> it's always funny to start putting those virtual faces and real faces together. Yeah, those aha moments are always great. <laughs> and finally, Ivan, you have been to VCF, you've been to Kansas Fest. I don't suspect you're going to go to Oz K-Fest anytime soon, is that correct? I mean, I'd like to, don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't have specific plans for it. But I, I do plan on going to Kansas Fest every single year that I that it exists, so I don't expect uh, this coming year to be any exception. 
Now, Ivan, you have been so, as you said, in the trenches with your A2 Cloud and A2 Server projects this past year that I can understand if maybe you might get a little burnt out and need some time off. Would that ever prevent you from attending Kansas Fest? No, but it's interesting that you mention that because unlike practically everybody else who talks about how great Kansas Fest 2013 was, like I was basically miserable the whole time because I didn't have A2 Cloud ready um, and was just like not sleeping, trying to get it done. And then and uh, and then I had difficulties during the demo. Um, but it uh, and, and so I definitely intend to come as a tourist next year, you know, not with a whole lot of projects to show off, you know, maybe I'll have a, a point release to one of these things, but uh, I'm, I'm uh, when I realized how much more time I spent on it, even after I got home, I realized really just how uh, far from done it really was. I, I, uh, I think it's time for me to come and relax and uh, hang out and, and meet new people and old people as well and uh, and uh, enjoy that this next year. I can wholeheartedly commiserate with being overcommitted at Kansas Fest and can recommend the experience of not being so. Okay. I will take your advice to heart. I was actually relieved when, when Waz left early. Why is that? Well, because... Because I was, I worked closely with him to get him there. I sort of felt like, uh, and this is <clears throat> this is totally ridiculous, of course, but I sort of felt like I was like sort of responsible for making sure that he had a good time when he was there, and I was kind of worried about that and how it was going. And when he left, then I could just relax and enjoy the rest of the show. Oh yeah, you're a host otherwise. Yeah. All right. So moving on, we have lots of literature that's been published in the past year, not just for issues of the awesome magazine known as Juice GS, but also about a half a dozen books. I mean, voluminous volumes that have come out in actual Dead Tree edition. Uh, we have the first Apple from Bob Luther, which was funded on Kickstarter. We have the Woz Pack, originally by Steve Wozniak and then remastered by Bill Martins and Brian Weiser of Call Apple. Sophistication and Simplicity from Dr. Steve Weirich, based on his history, the Apple II history website. Jonathan Zufi also turned his website, The Shrine of Apple, into Iconic, which is a coffee table photo book. And then we have a broader appeal book called Keep It Simple, about the design of early Apple products. So this is not just all self-funding either. Some of these books actually have real publishers and distributors. It's, it's great that there's this renewed interest in Apple, and especially Apple history, perhaps due in part to the passing of Steve Jobs. Uh, but Mike, do you have any favorite books among them, or do you have any explanation for why there's suddenly this proliferation of Apple II literature? Well, I don't really have an explanation. I do have my favorites. Um, I, I got uh, the Jonathan Zuffi book last week. It showed up in the mail, uh, and I've really been enjoying that. It's a fabulous, fabulous piece of uh, Apple II history and the, the photographs are great, and it's not just Apple II; it, it goes all through Apple's history and the Mac and stuff. So, uh, but it's really well done, and I'd say a, a nice companion piece to some of the other uh, more high-end uh, coffee table type books that have been put out by Apple and others over the years. Yeah. And I've also been reading; I just started reading the Sophistication and Simplicity by uh, Doctor Steve Wyrick, who's been on our show before, um, and. I, I I saw there was a thread on CSA two about about that book, and somebody was saying that uh, they were reading it so much they were having a hard time keeping it clean, and the dust jacket was getting worn and torn. 
Um, and I kind of laugh because that's sort of my experience as well. I, I wish the one thing that I wish is that there was some sort of ebook version of it, whether it was something you buy through iBooks or a PDF that, that he charged for, because I, as, as great as it is to hold the book in my hand, you don't have the searchability features that you would if you're reading it through the iPad. It's easier for me to carry my iPad onto an airplane, that sort of thing. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if there's eventually an ebook edition of Sophistication and Simplicity. They probably want to saturate the market with the hard copy edition first and then resell the PDF version to all the people who already bought the hard copy. Sure. <laughs> Double dipping. I'm all for it. That's right. And what about you, Ivan? Are you much of a reader these days? <clears throat> Books are for burning, right? I have a very limited attention span. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I'm, I'm very excited by the, uh, these titles and I'm, I'm very eager to read, uh, uh, Steve's book. I like that it's not available in an ebook yet. I kind of feel like it's just, there's a little bit of like time travel going backwards every time I like turn on my Apple II and that was how you learned about things was from books, you know, so I, I'm actually very much looking forward to that read. Yeah, of the five books I mentioned, that's the only one I own so far. I would have bought it had Steve not sent me a review copy for Juice GS, which I much appreciate. Uh, but I, I don't think I'm the target audience for Wazpack. I would love to take a look at Iconic, but the special edition that comes in the Apple II-inspired slipcase is the version I would want, because it's so gorgeous and it's so expensive that I can't justify it. And uh, the other two books, I, I wouldn't mind reading the first Apple, just haven't gotten around to it. I thought I, I like backing Kickstarter projects. I didn't back that one, but I want to support it in some way if I can. Uh, what about you, Andy? You have a, a comprehensive list on your website of Apple II books. I'm sure you're happy to see that there are more coming out. Well, I was thrilled that uh, Steve Wyrick's book came out, but I was most surprised about the first Apple. Um, I, I have the book. I didn't, I, I've only skimmed it at this point, but it is just chock full of interviews with all the people around the, the creation of the Apple computer. So that was a, a big surprise to me. At first, I kind of thought maybe it was going to be something like Ron Wayne's book where, you know, it only tangentially really touched on the Apple II and Apple II history. But this book is, uh, it, it looks really quite good. And that's going to be, uh, something I'll dig into over the next two weeks. Why the next two weeks? Well, I got a, about a week left of vacation, so I'll start it and, you know, probably read that along with four other books I'm reading. <laughs> It'll take me a bit. Oh, too, so many books. I can commiserate, my friend. I have so many that are overdue to the library right now. Anyway, my eyes are always bigger than my appetite or something like that. Uh, what about you, David? Well, I don't, like Ivan, don't tend to read too many books, but um, uh, the two on here that I did read last uh, year was Wazpack. Uh, that's not really a, a, a read as it is just a perusal and, and, and review some of the old, uh, code and that they had written and whatnot. But it's very, uh, uh, fun, uh, to review all that stuff. Uh, I did finish Steve Weirich's book, um, really dove into that one. And because for me, the history of the Apple II kind of ended about 1984 and I didn't really pick it up again until, uh, a little less than 10 years ago. And so I kind of missed out on what kind of transpired through all those years. So being able to go through his book and kind of uh, put the pieces together and the names that uh, uh, I sometimes see in some of the old posts and, and be able to reconstruct what happened was kind of fun. And so I kind of tore through that one. And yes, mine's very dirty now, too. Huh. <laughs> uh, but uh, uh, yeah, it was a great read. I really enjoyed it. Oh, well, nice to know that we all enjoy our dirty books. <laughs> that didn't come out right. 
Okay, we're now in the final stretch of this podcast, and we're going to start asking some folks about what their favorite highlights of 2013 and their predictions for 2014 are. But before we do, I want to take a brief moment to acknowledge that 2013 hasn't all been sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. We've lost a few of our friends in the community. Uh, Gina Saken, who used to work at Quality Computers, passed away, as we heard from her daughter, Carrie. I met Gina at some of the early K-Fest. She hasn't been there in about 15 years, but we do remember her. Uh, we lost Mr. Wayne Green, who was the former publisher of Insider A+, as well as Byte, if I recall correctly. And we lost Mr. Lewis Cornfield, who founded Radio Shack, which of course brought us the TRS-80. So although these may not have necessarily been all Apple II users, they were certainly contributors to the environment in which the Apple II was created and proliferated, and we're thankful for their contributions to this community. Back on topic for the end-of-year roundtable, let's take a look at some predictions for 2014. We, of course, are going to be meeting here on OpenApple again in a year with a different lineup, but we'll be looking back at 2014, and I want to know from our current roundtable, what do you think we'll be talking about a year from now? What are your predictions for 2014? Let's start with David. Well, I think um, we'll talk about the real renaissance of the Apple II. Uh, I think 2013 was just a warm-up for 2014. I think we'll see a lot of great hardware and software uh, products released and and even new uses for the Apple II. I think it's going to be an exciting year. Any, can you take a gamble on any specific uses for the Apple II? Um, not really. I think uh, uh, there's some projects in the works to uh, uh, make it a more hardware hacker-friendly environment uh, using some more modern tools. And uh, and I think there will be some uh, emulation uh, that comes along that makes a, a much more cohesive environment with modern environments and the Apple II environment. So uh, I just think there's just a lot of stuff coming to fruition uh, here shortly that we'll all get to play with in 2014. Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. And I hope that you're going to be a part of it, you and your pie. <laughs> okay, I hope so too. <laughs> Ivan, what do you got for us? What's what's what are you looking forward to in 2014? Uh, I'm looking forward in 2014 to, um, I think the refinement of some of these things that we've sort of seen introduced. Uh, you know, in in 2013. I mean, I, I it's like I I wouldn't say I'm, you know, able to see the future so much, and it's like oh somebody's gonna come out with this thing that I never thought of already. Um, but it uh, um, but I mean, I just feel like. Um, to, you know, to, to repeat what Dave said, you know, I feel like we're in some ways at the tip of the iceberg in terms of, you know, really using new software development techniques, new hardware development environments and, and tools, um, to really sort of, uh, extend this, um, uh, uh, this platform. And so, and also, you know, with, um, and, and I'm also, I don't know. It seems like already we're starting to see some old faces who uh, we hadn't seen in a while sort of reappear, and and I, w- I wouldn't be surprised if we see some more of those people. So that's I, I would certainly look forward to that. What sort of faces are you referring to? The kind that people have on the front of their heads. <laughs> <laughs> Whose faces are you referring to, Ivan? I wasn't referring to. I mean, in terms of people that we've seen, I you know I mentioned Anthony and Henry earlier. In terms of people that. We may see again. Um, I, uh, you know, I don't know off the top of my head. I'm sorry. I feel as though it's like, I don't know. I feel like I'm a little bit in an alternate reality when I go to Kansas Fest and it's like, I 
you know, may not have remembered somebody until I suddenly, like, see them again and I realize, like, how much I enjoy being with them. Um, and like, oh yeah, that person. And so I don't know who it's going to be. Just, you know, I'm, I'm a poor prognosticator, what can I say? <laughs> you know, I had an interesting experience a couple of weeks ago where a friend of mine from Olympia, Washington was in town. Anytime I have somebody who's staying at my house, I'm like, hey, I'm going to put you to work. Help me stuff all these envelopes with GCS. And so we, you know, print out a couple hundred labels and we start stuffing them. And she's looking at all the different places this magazine is going. And she says, do you know all these people? I'm like, well, not necessarily. They're just customers. And then I, I grab one envelope. And I'm like, well, I know this person. This person is from, you know, Lincoln, Nebraska, blah, blah, blah. And then I grab the next one. I'm like, actually, I know this person too. And then I start going through them. I'm like, actually, I know all these people. Whether or not I've actually met them in person, I've had personal communication with every subscriber to Juice GS. And I'm like, wow, you're right. You may not necessarily think about these people, but they're people that you love to see and hear from, and you kind of wish it would happen more often. Uh, let's see. How about you, Andy? Well, let's see. One prediction I have is um, I think that there's a slight chance that maybe we'll see a new Accelerator product coming out in 2014. I mean, wasn't it Ultimate Apple and Reactive Micro that used to sell a lot of the upgrade parts for the, the old accelerators? So maybe they have some secret thing up their sleeve that they'll surprise us with. Um, and then I also predict... Um, I think we're going to see at the next K-Fest, we're going to see people bringing Apple II Pies, you know, integrated into their Apple II GSs and IIe cases. And so we're going to have a lot of fun getting to play with those systems at the new K-Fest. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, regarding the Transwarp, wasn't there a failed attempt much earlier in 2013 oh, to yeah. produce a clone of it? You want to talk about that, Ivan? <laughs> Uh, yeah, that was oh. quite, that was quite the drama on Compsys Apple too. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I didn't follow it very, very closely, but it seems as though there was someone whose, whose name I actually forget. And he, uh, you know, was, was, uh, selling, he was going to, um, clone, I think it was a Transwarp JS card, which of course is something that every last person wanted. But then, um, you know, uh, he, uh, you know, some people paid for that and he turned out to be unable to deliver it and wasn't always, uh, as, I guess, as, uh, direct about that as some people might have liked. And I think in the end, um, he was able to refund all the money. And so, you know, uh, uh, but it was, uh, I think disappointing to the, forgetting the issues of, you know, the money and stuff. It was just disappointing that, oh, wouldn't it have been fantastic? To actually, uh, have a new accelerator prod. I mean, I, I use an accelerated 2GS. I would be the first one on the block to get to, uh, to get that. Uh-huh. And, and especially, I mean, considering that a Transwarp just sold on eBay for what? Almost $600? I mean, it's like, these things aren't cheap now. Somebody could actually come out with a product that was, you know, a couple hundred bucks, 300 bucks. That would be like, you know, huge. I think sellers on eBay might want to see that project fail. Well, I am not really that concerned about how <laughs> I, I what what has happened to eBay. I know it was uh, um, uh, in terms of prices. It's like I'm I'm suddenly asking like, gee, all this stuff that I bought over the last three or four years that I've been so delighted to get. Like, I just don't know how much more of it I'm gonna buy. Like, you know, it's just ridiculous the prices. It is. It really is. It's like not fun anymore. <laughs> it is fun. Just that. Um, much much of an expense. Okay, it's not it's not it's not cheap fun anymore. No, yeah, I've <laughs> I've never enjoyed spending money. And finally, my co-host Mike, what are your predictions for 2014? 
Well, as Ivan said, I think we're going to continue to see a rise in, in general Apple II prices and things like that. I think an Apple II finally went for like $25,000 on eBay and then another one for 24000 shortly after that. Uh, so as with Ivan, I'm sort of looking around at the stuff that I do have and kind of thinking, well, how am I going to keep these items running? Because I obviously am not going to be able to afford to replace them when the time comes. Uh, right, I there, was, we'll- there was a time, I feel like a couple of years ago, I thought, oh, well, if my 2E breaks, I can buy another one of those for $25. Right. And that's yeah. not the case anymore. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I think we'll see a continued evolution of existing products, um, sort of made to do new things and, and, and new functions that maybe we hadn't thought of before. For example, the JS Mess existed before as an emulator, but until until it was integrated into a web browser and given that back end that the Internet Archive and Jason Scott gave it, it it's now become this entirely new thing. And, and we, you know, the, the emulation software existed before, um, and obviously the Raspberry Pi has been around for a while, but seeing those two things combined to become something else um, in the Apple II Pi product and the software that Ivan is developing is really neat to see, and I think we'll see... Uh, continued evolution and, and that sort of new ideas and um, and uh, I I also predict that uh, Randy Wigginton will show up again at Kansas Fest and Woz will will suddenly show up and they'll get into a fist fight and nobody will know why. <laughs> awesome. Yep. I'm sure that all those years spent working together, there's some deep seated. There's got to be some animos- there. animosity there. I think, you know, like Waz will run over his toe, Randy's toe with his, with his, um, um, that thing that he runs, with his segue, you know, and, and, and Randy will just turn and pop him one and that'll start it. <laughs> awesome. It is true though that both of them said they want to come next year. I don't think they were just being polite either. Uh, I hope, I hope that's true. Yeah. Who wouldn't want to come? And no, seriously. And like, like, I'll just email them and say, Hey, Ivan's going to be there. Well, then they might not come. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh and this well. this prediction's a little bit more more far fetched, but I think that will there'll be an announcement of a Jobs two movie, uh, but it'll we'll find out that it's actually just a fan project to replace Ashton Kutcher's image in the original Jobs film. <laughs> With who? Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Do we have a release date for the other Jobs film? Not yet. The one that Aaron Sorkin is writing for for Sony, based on the Walter Isaacson book. That Waz is consulting on, yes. Oh, well. So those are our predictions. What about picks? Mike, if you could plug one thing in the Apple II community, what would that be? Juice GS. A great read every every month. I look forward to getting it. Every month? Oh, my God. I'm, no wonder I'm so exhausted. <laughs> well, I just I get the same one, and I just continue to, to mail it to myself. So I open it back up, like, oh, look, Juice GS is here. Or maybe you just read, like, six pages a month, one page a week. If there's that, I could do that, too. Yep. You could. You could. What about you, Ivan? Kansas Fest. Every time anybody in uh, uh, the uh, Apple II world that I speak to them, I'm like, are you going to Kansas Fest? Because if you like Apple II, it is just something you got to go do. I've just had so much fun there, and and it, it, it pains me a little bit that, that people who love the Apple II are, are depriving themselves of the opportunity to talk to the only, possibly the only other people that they have the opportunity to share their enthusiasm with in person. Coming to Kansas Fest, you sort of have this experience of, I finally found my people. I, I did. When I came there in 2009 and Jason Scott gave the keynote and he was talking about Apple II and text adventures and bulletin board systems, I was like, 
I'm like, what happened? With <laughs> how did I get here? You know, it was, it was, it was. It, I did kind of have that experience. Now, see, you may ask the question, "How did I get here?" The question I ask is, "Do I really have to leave?" I, there's that too. Oh Especially, well, yeah. Well, it's, it, the week always does go by disturbingly quickly. Yeah, I think eventually I would like to spend enough time at Rockhurst that I will have earned a degree. <laughs> Okay, you have fun with that. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, David? I'm actually going to go with the uh, online forums, you know, the Comsys Apple II and even the Facebook group, where I think it uh, kind of brings a lot of like-minded people together, not unlike uh, JuiceGS or uh, KFest, but in an online forum. And, and reading Stephen's book, uh, realizing what I missed out in the, in the day with the Apple II online uh, BBSs and and Genie and all those uh, online services. This, for me, is kind of the uh, Apple II uh, version of, of those in the modern day. Now, I am on Facebook daily as part of my work, so I've been active in the Apple II enthusiast group, at, at least as a lurker. I'm not so much on CSA2, but I can say on Facebook, in March of this year, I wrote in JuiceGS that it had 642 members. As of today, it has 1,007. Wow. Right on. So... For those of you who are active both there and on CSA2, can you estimate which one would you say is more active? Oh, I'd absolutely say uh, the, the Facebook group is. I think the Facebook because you can include pictures and videos and such. Yeah. Well, and exactly. it's Facebook. Everybody's on it all the time. Yeah, it's like a job. I took a 30-day break from Facebook recently and found that the only thing that I missed uh, was the, the Apple II and the Apple III enthusiast groups. Oh yeah! Oh man, I, that's the only reason I'm on there. Yeah, it's yep. for those two. I, I I I personally feel that Facebook is is given more voice to insipid comments in the history of civilization. That I, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure it's worth it. I, I think it's bringing us down. Except in the Apple II enthusiast group, <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, I kind of wish the Google Plus group for Apple II enthusiasts was this active. Yeah. Well, then they would have to make Google Plus better. <laughs> but they haven't. You don't think Google Plus is better than Facebook? I don't think anything Google does is usable, but that's just me. A topic for another day. Mm -hmm. Wow. Uh, for, what, <laughs> for what it's worth, I just took a look at the Apple II members roster and sorted it by date and subtracted seven. And it looks like the 1,000th member to the Apple II enthusiast group was Clint Thompson, who joined the group... Uh, this past Wednesday, that being Christmas. Congratulations, Clint. Clint. All right, you win nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but what a lovely Christmas gift to the rest of the community, to know that there are a thousand of us. The one thing I do like about Compsys Apple II is that I can post to it from my Apple II, and that is, is yeah. you know, yep. that's, yeah. that's satisfying. Yeah. I know a way to post to Facebook such that it says you posted from your Apple II, but you didn't really. That isn't really very cool at all. Didn't uh, Darren Crawford of uh, Apple2Forever.ca actually figure out how to post to Facebook from his Apple II? That sounds familiar. Really? Yeah, I, th I thought he posted some some screenshots of him doing that. Oh, I gotta check that out because I want to get that into A2 Cloud then if I can do that. We'll try to find a link for that to include in this episode's show notes. It may require you going to Facebook to read it though. So you have to use a non-Apple II to figure out how to post from your Apple II. Sorry. Well, I was able to post my Apple II Pi, so I was using at least my Apple II keyboard. That's something. 
And finally, Andy? Let's see. I'd like to plug a website that it hasn't been updated recently, but I just discovered it. It's called the Gallery of Undiscovered Entities, and it's devoted to old Apple II software that is very rare and put out by very small companies that never got widespread distribution. Sounds great. And the the reason why I discovered it is that there was an auction on eBay for the game Queen of Phobos, which was, went for six almost $600 uh, two days ago. And it was only came out with about 150 copies. It was one of those early bagged games. And this site just has uh, a bunch of history about all these little tiny companies that never made it, but still put out, you know, neat products and neat screenshots and the artwork on some of the covers of these games is pretty cool. So it is at gue.cgwmuseum.org. Thanks, Andy. And you're right, that hasn't been updated in a while. Looks like 2011 was the last update. Yep, that's right. Although I did talk with the site owner, and he's still active and um, communicates. So that's excellent. So those are all our participants' picks. Before we wrap up for the evening, let's ask, do we have any parting shots? Is there any last message that, if you could say anything to the Apple II community, and you can because you're on this podcast, what would you want to say, Mike? Uh, sure. That's what you want to say to the Apple II community? Sure. I I don't have anything. No. Okay. Andy? Help increase the Apple II game section at Moby Games. I've been working on posting stuff there recently, and I think more of us should get involved with that. That's an excellent call to action. Thank you, sir. Ivan? Check out all the stuff that gets released. Anytime there's any new software, anytime there's any new hardware, like, you know, go to the websites, check it out, download if it's free, buy it if you think you can afford it. Like, all of these... Things are are the lifeblood of of the of the community. If we didn't have new stuff in it, it would be just a strictly looking backwards thing. And to, and to keep it vibrant and fresh, supporting the developers um, uh, of, uh, of of new Apple II products, even just by sending them an email and saying, "Hey, great job! I love that the the retro connector or what or whatever it is that that." Uh, you love, I think, uh, um, is, is something that, uh, everyone in the community can do and, uh, uh, will help keep it going. Yeah, feedback is very important. You know, let the person know in a public or private medium, and there are plenty of public mediums from Facebook to Twitter to CSA2 or privately via email, that you use their product and you liked it. And if you don't like it, you know, don't be a troll. Let them know how they can make it better. Totally. And, you know, and, and it, it gives me pleasure to be able to, you know, Send that to uh, uh, express my appreciation to someone who's made something I like, and and I and and it means a huge amount to me when I get an email from somebody that said, you know, hey, I checked out your stuff and I dig it. You know, it's like it's it's a little thing, but it actually is is uh, uh, it's meaningful. I absolutely agree. And finally, David, Apple II forever. <laughs> <laughs> truer words have never been spoken. There you go. All right. Well, geez, now I feel bad for not saying anything. <laughs> have anything? Have they inspired you, Mike? Got anything you want to add? No, that just made me feel bad. Oh, okay. Well, thank you all so much for joining us. It's been a wonderful opportunity to look back at the Apple II community in 2013 with these brilliant and motivated geniuses in the Apple II community. Thank you so much for your time this evening. It was good being here, Ken. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, thanks for coming on. back on the show, each of you. And so to close out, this is Ken. This is Mike. This is Andy. This is Ivan. And this is Dave. And, and you've been listening, listening to Open, to Open Apple. Apple.
it, it's nice for me because it really still has that like magic component to me. Like I, I don't know how they did this. It's just magic, but here it is. It does something. Excellent. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to be laughing. Somebody sent me an animated GIF of a dog riding a Roomba. That sounds hilarious. Sorry, I really am paying attention to what you're saying. <laughs> what? Sorry. Sure you can. Um, Ken is very interested in the show, as always. <laughs> how dare I multitask? We never do that in this community. <laughs> how come you're not sharing? I want to see the dog on the Roomba. Oh, fine, fine. Let's Ken see. isn't speaking, so he's not interested in what's can, being can, said. Can I see the dog on the Roomba on, on, on an Apple II? That's the real question. Can Apple IIs do animated GIFs? Somebody should do that. I'm going to put my dog on an Apple II right now. <laughs> 